Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Budget Minded Traveler Podcast, Episode 31. Welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler Podcast, your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part? It won't break your bank. And now, the budget-minded traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. Welcome. This is episode 31. This is actually going to be the second installment of the Ask Jackie sessions that I started in, I believe it was episode 13. Um, We are on the second one now, and what these episodes consist of are reader or listener questions that come to me through the blog about questions about travel, ranging from everything to everything. So it is pretty random. You can look at the show notes page at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 31 if you want help with exactly where questions are going to be answered within the podcast, because I do put the minutes on there if you're looking for a specific question. I have about nine, I think, for this episode that we're going to be answering And they're really, really great questions. And on that note, if you have a question about travel that you think would be relevant to ask me, you know, to be answered in front of the whole audience, that you think that would benefit everybody, please let me know. You can contact me on my blog, thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash contact. We'll get you there. And if you're question is uh, worthy of a podcast episode, then, you know, I've had questions worthy of their own podcast episodes, which I've done, including the travel insurance episode, which I did just a couple episodes ago. So yeah, if you have a, a great question, then I would love to answer it on the podcast for the benefit of everybody. So get those to me before the next Ask Jackie session, which I don't know when that's going to be. So you have time at this point. So here we go with the questions that we have today. Before I start answering them individually, I am going to read them all out in the order that I'm going to answer them in. So this is what you have to look forward to in this episode. Number one, should my girlfriend and I share a smartphone? Number two, should I take a camera that is better than a smartphone? Number three, should I take a camp stove? Number four, is coffee available on the road? Number five, what about health insurance for long-term travel? Number six, regarding WorkAway, I have very limited travel experience and no reviews on my WorkAway profile. Is it going to be hard for me to get a job? Number seven, did you ever need to get Japanese encephalitis or rabies immunization? Number eight, how expensive is study abroad? So I guess I only have eight, not nine for this one. But those are the questions. So we're going to go ahead and start. This first one is from Ryan. And he asks, should my girlfriend and I share a smartphone? My short answer is going to be no. Your smartphone is going to be one of your most used tools on your trip because it's not only your access to your favorite social media platforms, of course, or your connection to your friends and family, 
and maybe the only way you can keep up with your fantasy football team, but it's also going to facilitate your booking of hostels and hotels and looking into tours and researching and using maps, etc. And on that note, I actually have, I'm going to link to some travel apps that I highly recommend, including a new map app that you definitely need to get. So I'll link to that on the show notes page. But anyway, definitely bring your own phone because you are going to use it all the time. You will find that most places have Wi-Fi and you both should take part in helping out with the logistics and planning because it's a big part of being on the road. So I would say definitely bring your own smartphone. All right, moving on to number two. This is also from Ryan. We have a few from Ryan here. Should I take a camera that is better than a smartphone? And this is a good question because this is a, I mean, a lot of people struggle with this because cameras can be big and bulky. I mean, a point and shoot is one thing, but a lot of us have digital SLRs. And so I think that that I will speak to both of those. And I really think this is a personal preference, but like one of my previous podcast guests said, Adam in um, episode, I think 22 about biking through Europe, he said, if you have the space, bring that bigger camera, you'll never regret having those great photos or staying in a, in a place for an extra five minutes to get a shot, you know, so only bring it if you plan to take lots of photos. And if, if that is you at least bring a point and shoot camera besides your smartphone. I mean, I know that smartphones do have pretty good cameras these days and there are a lot of fun things you can do with them like editing and um, with apps or filters and of course posting to social media, etc. But the quality just won't be as good as a real camera. I have a Canon EOS M and it is the perfect solution for a traveler who loves to pack light and also take good photos and videos. It's a, it's actually a digital SLR, but it's the compact mirrorless system. It almost fits in the palm of my hand. And when you have the smaller lens on it, it definitely fits in a coat pocket. So I'll link to it on the show notes page. And this show notes page, you guys, is going to be at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 31. So if you are in the market for a camera, check that one out for sure. But definitely bring something besides your phone. because And don't forget about the fact that your phone isn't going to hold as much memory as a camera would. You know, you can't easily switch out the SD card. So I definitely uh, recommend bringing another phone or bringing another camera. All right. Moving on to number three. Should we take a camp stove? It says, I think we would be staying in hostels and perhaps working abroad to provide income for living, but there may be a few occasions where a tiny stove would be useful. This is also from Ryan. I would say if you're staying in structures, don't bring a camp stove. If you're camping, it would be useful, but you can bet that hostels will have some sort of guest kitchen. Some hotels even have a guest kitchen or a restaurant, you know, and there are coffee shops everywhere. Um, So, you know, if you really feel like, cooking book somewhere with that option because it sounds like you're going to be staying in in actual places so I think a camp stove would be a waste of space in that sense number four what about coffee is coffee available on the road is a french press a waste to carry mine is tiny and it would double as a drinking cup my camp stove is pocket size and could be stored within it so this is still for mine and we're still kind of on the subject of the camp stove so let me just drill this in here coffee is everywhere and sometimes it's instant which is unfortunate but even in the tea drinking cultures of the world you're going to find coffee The thing that doesn't always exist everywhere are those nice big coffees to go that we're used to here in the United States. 
In fact, the only time I ever go to Starbucks is when I see it overseas and I need just a big coffee to go, you know, because those are kind of a luxury. But I would definitely not bring a French press, no matter how small it is. Like I said, unless you're going to be camping all the time, because for the same reasons, hostels have kitchens, you'll be able to find coffee shops or at least, you know, coffee at restaurants all over. So unless you're camping, don't pack for camping, because no matter how small it is, that's going to be extra weight that you're going to kick yourself for if you're going to be long term traveling. Okay, number five, this one's from John. One question that keeps coming up in my mind is health insurance and what to do when I'm traveling if I do want to be gone for a full year. So, John, I did just do an episode on travel insurance, which is number 28, but I didn't talk much about health insurance. Um, a lot of travel insurance covers health insurance for the first, well, I should say it's, it covers medical for the first 30 days, but you have to read the fine print for that. And usually that part expires no matter how long your, your plan is for. Pay attention to pharmacies in other countries and the fact that they have pretty good medical care. I have never once taken out uh, an extra plan for medical coverage while I've been traveling. So I've had that 30-day coverage before. When I was studying abroad, I had the student health insurance, so that was covered. But I've never actually taken out another separate plan for health insurance. When I've gotten sick in the past, I've been able to, in a lot of places, you can get antibiotics over the counter. I wouldn't really recommend that because I I hate antibiotics. Um, You know, be really careful with that. It's not something that you want to abuse at all. Um, You know, use your best judgment. But the pharmacies in foreign countries, they, they... they're really awesome. Often they're staffed with doctors. Um, you can get a lot of stuff over the counter. They can really help you, you know. And so if you don't know where a hospital is or if you don't know where you should go, find a pharmacy. And um, that, I mean, that's, that's going to be your first stop. But if you really do want medical insurance, um, I, I did a search for it to see what it would entail. And it turns out it's actually, it looks like it's pretty cheap. I Googled international health insurance and I came across e-health insurance, which I've actually used before to get health insurance. I'm not, not for traveling, but for in the States and they do have plans that cover global. And so I put in some data to see an idea of what it would cost. And I found that for a year of travel, which is what you were asking, John, you could expect to spend between one to $200 and that's for the whole year. The other thing is that it's powered by Insure My Trip. I noticed this on the webpage while I was on it. And Insure My Trip is one that I do recommend for travel insurance. So the whole thing actually made me really feel pretty good about sending you guys there to get health insurance coverage if you want it for international travel, because both of those companies are familiar to me and I've used them both in the past. So you can, of course, read specifics about each plan, what they cover, what they don't cover, et cetera, and the fine print. Within each plan on the website, you can compare, et cetera. But that is definitely an option. And if it's worth, you know, the peace of mind for you, definitely get it because it's not that expensive. So great question, John. All right. Number six. And this one is from Aaron. Since I have very limited travel experience, family vacations in the U.S. and one cruise to the Caribbean, I was wondering how hard it would be for me to become a part of the workaway community. I know that I can sign up, but with no reviews yet, how hard will it be to find somewhere that will take me with only my experience as a waitress and nanny as references to my abilities to work? 
So first of all, if you don't know what Workaway is, check out episode five or um, just search Workaway on my blog. It's a great program. I have an episode all about it and a post all about our recent experience in Mexico. And you can find out what Workaway is. It's an amazing volunteer opportunity abroad. But this is a great question. All I can do is answer from experience. It was not hard at all when I first started. I actually signed up as a couple profile, Nate and I did, and we found a job within a couple months of signing up, which really was right when we wanted to. You have the ability to read reviews about your host. So they are the ones having to trust that you are a decent person. So put as much info into your profile as you can and be honest so that you can find a good match. Really, Workaway is way more about personality and a good fit than it is about work experience because the jobs, um, quote unquote jobs, are so they vary so much. You know, they're so different with everyone. Most people are just looking for a good person to come and and work with them. So it really does not, um, you're not going to need skills if you're not going for a job that's like super technical, you know, which most of them aren't. So don't worry, it will work. All right, number seven, did you ever need to get Japanese encephalitis or rabies immunization? They're pretty pricey, around 300 pounds, and some people don't bother. This is from Ronan. And no, I've never had these immunizations. I've never been to Japan, though, so I haven't looked into what's required there. And I I don't have rabies vaccination, but I am going to take this as an opportunity to talk a little bit more about immunizations because they are a great subject. It is very important to look into which immunizations may be required for your destination. And the website that manages all this information is the CDC or the Center for Disease Control. You can find that at cdc.gov. I will tell you right now, it will be much less of a headache if you go through the page on my site called U.S. Passports and Travel Visas, where there is a section for immunizations. And you can find it at the budgetmindedtraveler.com slash passports. I will link to it on the show notes page as well. But this page is a great resource because I organized it for you. And the CDC website and travel.state.gov, which is the one you need for passports and visas, they are both, they can both be very hard to navigate if you aren't exactly sure what you're looking for. And on the budgetmindandtraveler.com slash passports, there is a link that will take you straight to the page where a drop down list of countries is there. And you just, put your destination country in there and it will populate the vaccine requirements and a whole bunch of other stuff. And also on my page is a link where you can easily find a clinic near you that actually administers these vaccines. Because once you figure out which ones you need, you'll often need to find a specific travel clinic. Don't expect your family doctor to be on the list. You might need to get a, a specific clinic. You might even have to travel, you know, to a nearby town if you're if you live in a small town to get them done. So on that note, plan well ahead of time because some sometimes the immunizations require a series of shots that could take several months to complete. And when you get immunizations that are required in foreign countries, you will be given like the big ones like yellow fever. Once you get those done, you will be given an international certificate of vaccination. It's yellow. It's a trifold card. It's like three by five. It's smaller than a postcard size. And you must carry it with you when you travel in you know countries where these uh, immunizations are required. And be very careful not to lose it. 
Um, if you've listened to me before, I probably sound like a broken record at this point with this subject, but I've lost mine before and it was awful. And I will link to that story in the show notes as well. <laughs> but to give you an idea of the vaccine of the immunizations that I have, I'm actually going to read them off of my vaccination card for you, just so you have an idea. Hepatitis B, and it looks like it was a series of three shots, the MMR, hepatitis A, and that was a series of at least two shots, it looks like, tetanus and diphtheria and typhoid and yellow fever. And so those are the ones that I have had. Those are the ones you're probably going to need to get if you're traveling anywhere near the equator. (laughs) So And I know that I've spent a few hundred dollars on vaccinations. I could not tell you the exact amounts, but you can expect that some of them will be expensive. I'm pretty sure my yellow fever was over a hundred dollars and that was over, what was it, 10 years ago or so now? So it's probably gone up anyway. Just don't forget to budget for immunizations because it's non-negotiable. If a vaccine is required, you have to get it. Um, Sometimes they won't even let you on the plane. And I know this from experience. So... Great question from Ronan. Um, I'm sorry I can't answer your specific question about the Japanese encephalitis or rabies. Maybe if somebody listening has an input, has a comment for that, you can leave it in the comment section. You guys can maybe figure that out because I have not heard about that. But immunizations, great question. All right, moving on. Number eight. This is the last one. This comes from Anna. She says, I don't know very much about study abroad. How expensive is it? Is it just the plane tickets that I will need to pay for or will I need to be paying for living expenses as well? I have heard some people say that for them, it actually costs them less to study abroad than it did to stay. But I imagine that's because they were at a school with a high tuition and room and board expenses. Whereas I am attending a community college and not paying rent or food. Sounds like she's a live-in personal assistant. So she gets her room and board for free. So... If you're looking at study abroad, it can definitely be expensive. And really, it ranges so much. It varies a lot by the program. And so and so, really, you need to choose a program in order to answer that question. However, I can answer it according to my experience through my particular program, which was called USAC, and that stands for uh, University Studies Abroad Consortium. And I know that it was on the cheaper end of the study abroad spectrum, just because I've done some comparisons and was surprised to see that my programs were actually cheaper than than some others. It's headquartered through the University of Nevada, Reno in 2003 and 2004, which don't forget, this was 10 years ago. And I can just I can guarantee that the prices have gone up. But I paid somewhere around nine thousand dollars or so for an entire year abroad to Costa Rica. However, I also had a scholarship that followed me as long as I studied a foreign language. And I also applied for scholarships through USAC and I got one, I think for like 500 bucks or something. But don't forget about scholarships. And if you already have one of some sort, read the fine print and see if it will follow you overseas. And also that price was only for tuition. So I still had to pay for materials, room and board, which I actually paid to live with a family and they were responsible for feeding me three meals a day. When I went to Italy, on the other hand, I think I paid over 5500 or so for just a semester. And again, that didn't include rent or materials or anything. And, and that time I lived in an apartment with a roommate and we each paid about $400 US per month in rent. And that was in 2005, 2006. So keep in mind, I'm sure inflation has affected all of these prices. 
So our place there was furnished, but we just had to buy groceries, laundry detergent, toilet paper, you know, everything that you need to get by day to day. But our places were furnished. And, and if you're studying abroad, they will, if, if your program is, is placing you, they're not going to place you in an empty apartment. They'll, they'll place you in a furnished apartment since it's short term. So it's not necessarily cheap, but it definitely can be cheaper than a lot of schools tuition costs in the States. I went to an in-state university and had a scholarship out of high school. So my college tuition was paid for while I was in the States. And it also wasn't that expensive to begin with. But then when I went abroad, I did pay more out of pocket of what my scholarships didn't cover. And I also want to share that I got a scholarship to help pay for my year in Italy. And that was through the National Italian American Foundation. And they had a deal with American students studying in Italy or Italian students studying in the U.S. And I don't know if they still do it. But the point is, there are scholarships out there for, dead, for study abroad. So don't forget about that. And that all being said, in, in some cases, you don't have to be a current student to study abroad through um, a big program like this. I think how it would work is that you apply to the headquarters school and you, quote unquote, become a student to be eligible to go on their program. But I don't think you already have to be a college student or a college age to be able to do it. And I also just did a new post for Yahoo Travel about studying abroad at any age on a budget which goes into programs that actually start weekly all over the world to learn languages specifically. So I will link to that article on the show notes page as well, because that's another way to do it besides these big, you know, major study abroad programs. All right. Well, I hope those cleared up some fuzzy areas for you. Great questions, everybody. Please keep them coming. You can contact me through the contact page on my blog at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash contact. So once again, if you have a question that you think would be relevant to be answered on the podcast, feel free to send it on in and maybe you'll be hearing your name on the next Ask Jackie session. So again, the show notes are at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 31 for episode 31. So you can look there. I have the questions marked out by the minute. Uh, so you can you can quick reference if you need to. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you all very much. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.